This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. This is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. That's it, got it, underdog, and then one, exclamation point. Now, your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and sports director Caleb Henry. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour, where we've been gone for a while, but it, it really wasn't that long. I mean, the last show we did, Nebraska had a head football coach named Scott Frost, you guys. Oh, gosh, that's right. That was ahead of the Georgia Southern. That game. was the Georgia Southern game day. Oh my goodness! <laughs> that's where that's where Cole and I were. Yes, we were at that game. That's right. Yeah, you're getting your baptism by fire there, Mister Matt McMaster. Yes. Um, that's Caleb Henry. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. Kenny Larrabee's got us on the Facebook Live at KLI and Huskers, and and I want to start this with a question: How many Husker fans out there could tell you who Mike Cassano or Joey Connors are? I don't know how many fans could. I do know within those of us that cover the team, we were all looking at what the analysts' names and who's all on the staff and all of that anyway. Yeah. So those names at least ring a bell. Even for a lot of the Husker beat writers, you weren't getting you didn't have an in depth knowledge of Mike or Joey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So now you have to start doing a little bit of background prep on some guys and but for the average fan out there, and I like to think that our KLIN listeners are a little bit above average for the fans, it's still not a super well-known thing out there who most of the analysts are. I think I love the most, the most, the thing that I love the most about my, the Joey Connors thing is that he's the guy that almost ruined Joe Burrow. That's right. In, yeah. that, in that bowl game. Uh, yeah, just, isn't he if still? Any, if him if up. anything, he he started Joe Burrow. That was like I I don't know if it was either the offensive coordinator or it was Coach O, but they were doing a like Joe Burrow thing, mm-hmm. like just how great he is, and like that moment where Joey Connors just absolutely wrecked him was like, yeah, that was the moment he was born. Like that's when he started playing ridiculous. That's when you got you the know? Phoenix. He was into the fire, and then he was but reborn that is, as a Heisman. Yeah, that that is marked as the moment Joe Burrow became Joe Burrow. So if anything, Joey Connors didn't wreck him. He he started it. Joey Connors says, "You're welcome, Zach Taylor." Joey yeah. Connors hit him so hard, <laughs> he became a Heisman. He hit yeah. him so hard, he just put that dog in him. <laughs> All right, we've got a lot to get to. Amy Just is going to connect with us today uh, from the Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, a little bit later on, we've got volleyball to hit, but uh, let's start with the talk of the town. <laughs> Who is your favorite coaching candidate? Uh, we, we're going to get into some of the stuff that. Affects the 2022 Huskers, how Mickey Joseph is going to move forward with Bill Bush as the defensive coordinator, all the changes Mm -hmm. and what they could do going forward, because there are still eight games left. But first, there are characteristics, there are resumes, there are schemes, offense or defense focus. Everybody's got their thing. And and I figure why the hell not? We 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 got to get into it. So let's get into it. We we've got eight weeks left of the season. Well, ten weeks left of the season technically. Uh, eight more games, but coaching search is on. 
and Trev is is throwing chum out in the water, just having having all these names come out to throw everybody off the scent. Very <laughs> smartly, I might add. Yeah. What's uh? What what do we what do we think? What what do we want in a coach, Caleb? Well, I, I think the first thing that you're going to want is someone who's going to be able to to lead a program, and that that was one of the things that. Not to say Scott Frost didn't lead a program. You you can go find whatever you want on message boards and find what you want in rumors. But that was the reason that this year Trev wanted Scott to become more of that CEO role. Mm-hmm. That that's that's so I think number one what you're looking for is someone who who can do that and has the experience of doing that, being in that role as the the CEO, being the guy who's going to know where he can delegate, say, here's my offensive coordinator, here's my defensive coordinator. I am overseeing everything, recruiting, special teams, just per- personnel, every single bit of it. I don't Scott never quite did that. He was still kind of head coach, offensive coordinator. So so you never got that role going forward. Number two, obviously Trev's talked about it. He wants someone who's going to fit the 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 bill with Nebraska and, and what that means is for for better or for worse because I know you can go some places and it's and we've said it before and I think maybe it was Bob Devaney said it I don't want to get in trouble but I want to do enough that the NCAA at least has to investigate <laughs> it was so that I'm paraphrasing there so what you mean is you want to get close to the line on what you can get away with and that still fits within the bill of Nebraska. Like, Nebraska has not been without its issues. Oh, yeah. But what I'm saying within all of that is when you're looking at character, and Trev has talked about that, that would seem to eliminate one of the highest profile coaches that is out there who's no longer coaching right now because he's an analyst with Fox, and that's Urban Meyer. Not to say that at some point that doesn't become a real viable option, but from what Trev has said and talked about characteristics and what we know about how Urban Meyer has left programs, and yes, he's left them in very good places where Ohio State was still winning national championships. Florida wasn't exactly you know, a bottom-tier program after he left there with his time uh, in the early 2000s. Utah wasn't awful. Like He's had very good programs that are still pretty good. But there's a lot of other stuff that goes on that I think Trev just wants to avoid. Yeah, I, I would agree. And if unless you guys want to talk about him more, we don't need to because no. I didn't I didn't really what what's what's the pulse candidate. Well, here's the thing. You you and I are more of the, the pulse of what we're hearing in, say, like the working world. Sure. What what we're seeing maybe on some more message boards, what we're what people are talking about at the bars, at family gatherings. Matt has a very well just for us you've got such a unique sure. perspective on this. Yeah. What's the vibe on campus? I think it is we want to win. I think for the most part Nebraska students for the last couple of years have been like, well, you know, this is such a great history, this and that, whatever, all these great conference championship games and, and great moments and for the most part like we, none no one on campus has experienced that. Yeah, you're not living that. No, and and for me at least like my 4 years of going to Nebraska are going to probably be, well, 2020 was COVID to that, you know, that kind of, that stunk. And then last year was the three and nine year where we were, we were so close and then, but we weren't. And then this year it's like, well, everything fell apart really quickly. And then next year is going to be from what people can assume is going to be a rebuilding year with a new coach who's going to bring in a new system, whatnot. So like, I think that 
when people look at Urban Meyer, they look at instant success and they look at winning and they look at that's the closest thing that 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 is the most sure and quickest way to getting to where we once were. I think that, in my opinion, getting to where Nebraska once were, once was, which is a perennial contender, national championship contender, is unrealistic. I, I just don't think Nebraska can ever return. Just and, and it has nothing to do with Nebraska. It, is, it has a lot to do with just talent and geography, proximity to home, where recruits are, where we are, all that. So that, that could be a whole other radio episode. Well, just all of the differences in the college football exactly. landscape that you had available to you, 70s, 80s, 90s, that Nebraska has not had available to it. No, 2000s, and, 2010s, and now 2020. And I think NIL helps. I think NIL is definitely something that goes in Nebraska's favor. Now we'll we'll see how eager businesses are to give to players. You know all these NIL you know deals and money. You know just based off of this year because a lot of businesses did that and the the rewards haven't really been you know uh, uh, great or anything. I mean the season fell apart pretty quickly and there are a lot of players that have been given a lot of money and a lot of deals from company that. Uh, they haven't really performed. But anyway, I think the pulse is people like Urban because Urban wins. And Nebraska students and younger people want to win. They want to experience, experience that because we never did. Um, and that me, makes sense. Me personally, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want a guy who had 30 arrests you know, in his program during his time in Florida. I don't want a guy who knew about certain assistant coaches doing things and never really reported it. I don't want a guy who, in the NFL, a team is now, his former team is being sued by his own kicker because his kicker was in a lunging formation and, and Urban Meyer kicked the, you know, the crud out of him. Yeah. I don't want that guy. I don't think it's good. For me, I think someone, the, the ideal candidate for me is just, Someone who's been in a program for a very long time and has had a sustained amount of success. I know that there are certain candidates who look real pretty and they're real nice and they got a new defense and a different type of offense and they've had really quick success at different programs. Whatever I, I like guys who have been at programs for a long time, who have done plenty of winning and who have accomplished, have accomplishments, but also have great accomplishments within the restraints of their program. So I think that's kind of a, I know we'll get to specific candidates in a second, but that's So so you're looking outside of obviously the titles that came with it. Someone who's who is built for the long run of a Devaney yes. or an Osborne. Yes. And I know when we say those names that that triggers a little bit of going, "Ooh, we're looking at 30 years of constantly being national title contenders." I know what that just saying those names does. Sure. But even without the national titles, it's the consistency of going to bowl games, competing for your conference. If you can do it in a smaller program for a very long time, you can do it in Nebraska, where you have way more resources and way more history. But I think the time of where Nebraska is really compelling and really appealing to coaches and to college football people in general is slowly winding down. It's it's not going to be there forever. At some point, you got to pick it up and you got to be competitive, and you have to have you you have to get that appeal back. But for right now, with the amount of resources and the money and the and the passion and the care, yeah, coaches want to coach for Nebraska. I'll add one other characteristic that I want before Cole. Obviously, you you add on whatever you've got. I want someone who knows the Big Ten, whether that's the the teams in the Big Ten or at least the Big Ten footprint. Um, and to me, what that does is, on one hand, yes, 
that would be Urban Meyer, right? That that's the big name. That's the you're either 100 percent for, 100 percent against. But also, Urban Meyer has not had a job like Nebraska. What's in Utah? Well, there's still pretty good recruiting base there, right? What's in Florida? Your Florida recruits. What's yeah. in Ohio? Your Ohio recruits. Absolutely nothing against the the talent that comes out of Nebraska because there is some talent here. There is not the depth here Mm-mm. that Urban Meyer has Mm-mm. had at other places. So that's where you look at the, the quick turnaround. You can't go have that immediate no. talent within your area. I want someone who knows the Big Ten, understands Big Ten recruiting. That could be a Luke Fickle in, who's who's been in Ohio. That could be, he's not on my top five list, that could be a Matt Campbell. He's within the Big Ten footprint. So, so there, there are just a few of the characteristics I'm looking at. I think that one of the main things that Trev is going to need to look at is, has this guy been able to take over a situation that was not great and turn it around and make it successful and program builder success that success uh as well as being able to take kids that are not high on the recruiting rankings necessarily obviously you're you're gonna chase your big guys but uh you're gonna fill out your depth with players that you're going to need to develop that's the one thing uh, the the main thing i think that nebraska under scott frost failed to do well that they had to do well was to build depth by developing the lesser talent in their recruiting classes, mm-hmm. in their high school recruiting. Because they just don't have... like If you look across the board on the offense right now, who are Nebraska's best players? They are all transfers. Yeah. Defensively, you've done a little bit better job there. But still, the, the fact remains, whoever this guy is going to be, I want him to have a track record of development, and I want to see if he's taken a program that was down and brought it up mm-hmm. and been able to sustain it over a couple of years at least. In yeah. terms of Power 5 teams, Nebraska was the third worst in taking recruiting talent and developing them into NFL talent. They were they were one of the worst pro- Power 5 programs in all of the country. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Player development is massive, and it's something they didn't do. I mean, consistently, Scott Frost recruited well. Top 20 classes, I mean, throughout the entire time. I think this year he he was a little outside, but 2018, 2019, 2020 consistently got talent. They never developed it. Yeah. They never developed it. And you, you, need, you need to do that more than anything, especially with Nebraska and the pool of talent. I was kind of alluding to that, Caleb. Like, yeah. you know, Nebraska high school talent isn't Florida, Alabama, Georgia, Texas, Ohio, Michigan. It's just not It's not at that level. So but you can't, And you can't miss when you do have that no, talent here. No, you can't. And and that was a big problem with Scott. I mean, he got Nebraska talent, but he didn't lock it up. He, yeah. I mean, there were still top recruits who were going to other programs, and you just can't have that. Especially, I mean, what's the competition, Nebraska? Who were you competing against yeah. within your? No one. I mean, it's it's you have to lock up Nebraska. Put a fence around Omaha, please. Yeah, that that would help. And, and to be fair, there was a high school kid that they they got that was pretty good. He would yeah. be a senior this year were he to have stayed. That's Wandale Robinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's in the NFL. Right, might have been in the NFL anyway had he stayed for his junior year. But that's neither here nor there. Um, okay, before we get to break, should we run down our our quick lists? I I go first for a few seconds. I want right. to go first. Okay, right. go ahead. I have a guy, and I think we're a little bit behind on you know 
this conversation because it happened. You know, he got fired two weeks ago. My list is a week and a half old so, already. So my well, well, my guy, is, my guy, today. my number one guy is someone that you literally just described. I I don't know if Trev will call him, and I don't know if he'll pick up the phone. But I think Pat Fitzgerald has to be I, is my number one dude. Does, that does Jack listen to this show? Pat Fitzgerald's number I one. I made a joke about so that. So my yesterday. my tier my tier I have two tiers. I have tier one, tier two. So All I have right. Pat Fitzgerald, Mark Scoops, Mike Gundy, tier one. Then I have tier two: Dave Aranda, Lance Lapold, Matt Campbell, Pat Narduzzi, uh, Dave Dorian. Uh, that's my kind of a shorter shorter list. I don't know. People have been talking about Bill O'Brien and Urban Meyer. I didn't even put them on there. I don't I I don't like Bill O'Brien and I don't like Urban Meyer, so okay. I didn't put them there. Caleb. So. Kind of the, the the basis that I went with my list was I want someone who's who's been a head coach mm-hmm. um, for a significant amount of time, so that eliminates the Bill O'Brien. Yeah, um, and he's been a head coach. Yeah, but not not, <laughs> not at the college not, no, level. No, not at, not at the college Penn level. State two years, two years, and he didn't even win over eight games. Well, he turned around. No, no, the no, biggest no, no, no. Show you could ever. No, imagine. I know, I know what he did, but the yeah. talent was already there. He hasn't gone through a full recruiting cycle. He, no, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, and, and that's that's the point that I'm getting at is he might come out of the, the Nick Saban um, school of coaching, but he hasn't gone through all of the recruiting. And he, because he's not a current head coach, who's he going to bring with him? I know he's probably got connections and he can build a staff, which is awesome. And that, by the way, that's what I want. Yeah. I don't want someone bringing their whole staff with them. Um, so my number, five, again. My, number five is, <laughs> my number five is Mike Gundy, who I think is just a better, older version of Matt Campbell. Yeah. Same league. Uh, Lane Kiffin is my number four. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, three is Mark Stoops. Two mm-hmm. is Dave Aranda. My number one is Luke Fickle. Yeah, no, he and he's the one on that list who's not a current Power Five coach because he's coaching Group of Five Cincinnati, who's about to be Power Five. But he spent uh, fourteen years at as an Ohio State assistant, including a defensive coordinator, including one year as an interim head coach. Mm-hmm. That's the part where I'm talking about knowing the Big Ten and knowing the Big Ten footprint. I like Fickle, but I feel like the fact that he didn't leave in last year's coaching cycle kind of told me he probably won't leave in this year's coaching cycle. But you never know. I mean, heck, I got Pat Fitzgerald on my list, so it's like that's <laughs> right. not happening. And well, Mike Gundy. And Mike Gundy. Well, we and and, Mike and Gundy. the thing about Fickle is with last year's coaching cycle where there was a lot of big jobs. Huge. He likes where he's at because he's been in Ohio. Yeah. He's been in the Big Ten. So there weren't a lot of Big Ten openings sure. you know, across, across here, the, the Midwest and the Plains. He... I think I'm more annoyed that I didn't put him on my list. I mean, that was... <laughs> okay. that was that's, that's, no, that's a good shout. Well, well, and for his, he had a really good team last year. He did. And there was the announcement that Cincinnati was going to the Big 12. So he didn't necessarily have to leave his program. He could continue building it towards a Power Five. Sure. Cole, right. what do you got? So I have two that are kind of the top of my list, and then I have a few others that I would listen to. So number one, I'm not going to eliminate anybody just based on not having one particular aspect of the job that I want them to have. Uh, it is possible for a guy that's not been a head coach mm-hmm. to get this job and to succeed with it. Bob Stoops, Exhibit A, never been a head coach, and second year he won a national title Oklahoma. Dabo Sweeney? Interim guy from wide receivers coach, Mickey Joseph, mm-hmm. and and won two national titles at Clemson. Um, so Jim Leonard is a n- name that's intriguing to me. Uh, Wisconsin through and through, defensive coordinator for five years, Broyles finalist in 2017. They've won the West twice under him. They always find pass rushers. And if you want somebody to know how to win the Big Ten West, mm-hmm. 
he can tell you how to do it and lead a defense to do it. Um, Kalen DeBoer is an interesting name. South Dakota native. Offensive guy. Almost everybody else on my list is more of a defensive guy, but uh, I would listen. If Trev wanted to go that route, I would listen. Uh, history at Fresno State. Uh, Washington is uh, the head coach there now for two years. He was the head coach at Fresno for two years. Won three national NAIA titles at the University of Sioux Falls and is from Washington High School in Sioux Falls, where Matt Farniok mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Nate Gary came from. Dave Aranda, another name. Yep. Third year at Baylor. Uh, turned around. Uh, well, not, not directly. Art Bryles was bad, and Matt Rule did well in one year, but Dave Aranda's built it and continued. Yeah. Uh, my two top names, Luke Fickle, for all the reasons you named, uh, and then Matt Campbell's number one for me. He was at uh, Toledo, took over uh, a bad team, and led them to consistent winning. Took over after Paul Rhodes won eight games in three seasons before he got to Ames. He was a Big 12 champs in 2020. Top 10 finish in 2020, won the Fiesta Bowl. They've had five straight winning seasons, done things that nobody thought could be done at Iowa State, and has sustained that success and developed talent underneath him. Mm -hmm. So, If I'm Matt Campbell, I never leave Ames. Really? If I'm I'm Matt Campbell, I never leave Ames. Really? Why? (laughs) Because you can... With look at who's leaving the Big 12. He can build a statue there. He, he can build 10 statues. <laughs> because with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12, you, you can... But at some point, Big 12 titles are diminished, and they're not really looked at the same thing as not with as the expanded play, Not with the expanded playoff. Go win the but Big 12 and give like, yourself a buy like, in the playoff. I don't think it's the same thing. I don't. I mean, like, good for you. You have he's a he's a big fish in a small pond. I don't know if he doesn't leave for that. I, I think if anything, he doesn't leave for job stability in the ever whirling world of college football. Let me let me throw this out there. I think Matt Campbell, even if he left twenty twenty two to go to Lincoln, Nebraska, he could have a statue of himself by now anyway. Exactly. Yeah. Names. So, if he wants the next big thing, come on down. Sure. I've, I've just never been enamored by him. He loves the color black, by the way. Big Johnny Cash fan. He'd fit right in with that black shirts tradition. How do you know that? Because Iowa, not Iowa State, Iowa invented the color black. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got some volleyball talk to get to. We are going to dig into the 2022 version of Nebraska football. We'll see what Mickey Joseph's going to do next. Uh, And then uh, Amy Just will join us later on the program as well. Come on back right after this on the KLIN Husker Hour. Inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. I watched that. I didn't see it yesterday. More coaching talk through the break. We'll get back into some of that, but uh, we got to dig into a team that just rolled to a sweep last night. No <laughs> big deal. And uh, by the way, uh, the greatest of all times, 800th. Volleyball victory, John Cook and Whoop. the Huskers yeah. swept Michigan State. Just another win for him. Starting off Big Ten play right after an eight and one non-conference slate, they're ready to go. Yeah. So you look at last season where it was, oh no, what's going on? They lost three in a row during the non-conference slate, um, and then they end up being national runner-up. Going through all the experimentation with the lineup, here's this. Through the non-conference, nine games, one loss. And that one loss is to a really good Stanford program. And you beat three other teams that are currently ranked, because Pepperdine vaulted themselves into the rankings. Yes. Um, only once 
did Cook play back-to-back games with the same lineup? One time. Two of their nine matches where he went back-to-back with the same lineup. Because they've been experimenting. You've also had Nicklin Hames hurt. You've had Ali Batenhorst has been out of the lineup. Um, but you've been, you've gone, you started the first few matches running the 5 1. You've gone to the 6 2. All three of your setters have run through the 6 2. And it seems like that's here to stay. Um, and obviously, once you get late in matches, it looks really good when you can just move Kennedy or and just convert it to a 5-1 when you're out of subs. So there's a lot of good things that John Cook continues to do. And he said that 800 wins just means that he's been doing this for a long time. How many coaches into their 30th year say, we're going to blow up what we're doing as an offense? We're going to blow up what's worked. And like this is why he's so elite, is that he said, what is the talent that I have? How do I maximize that? And he uses the non-conference to experiment. Now, you you get into sets two, and then especially set three last night against a not-good Michigan State team who's rebuilding. They lost their coach last year. And Michigan State, probably because they were so young, didn't realize the magnitude of the match they were playing in. And they just went, oh, we'll just keep playing. And you started to see some of the hitters for the Spartans just haul off. They just said, "Oh, we're losing. Whatever. I'll just hit this as hard as I can." You see it. So, you see it sometimes with with some high school matches. You know where there's a team and they've just got like one or maybe two decent hitters. Maybe one's really good, but the rest of the team doesn't really hold up enough for them to compete against the Waverleys or the Papillion La Vista Souths. Like they're not going to compete against those top programs. But you say, "All right, just go haul off. Just go hit it as hard as you can," and those started to fall. And I think it was six or seven in a row points for Michigan State. And things got scary. It was tied up at 22. Nebraska ends up getting that third set, 25-23. So you, you, you have to take this team and say, you got to close things out. And it's going to be much more difficult tonight for Nebraska. Sands, Nickel, and Hames still, most likely. And you've got an Ohio State program that is, I believe, seventh in the country. Here's this for... They're just out of this world schedule. They started off hosting now number one Texas twice in a weekend. Mm -hmm. Lost both of those. Other ranked losses include to San Diego and Pitt. Mm -hmm. You know, Pitt in the final four last year. Right. Ranked victories over Louisville, BYU, and Georgia Tech. Are you right there? You have got seven matches that they have played against ranked opponents. Now Nebraska hasn't played that quite that many. They're three and one against teams that are currently ranked. But this is going to be and nothing against Stanford. And Lauren Cook West, as a matter of fact, said this on the broadcast last night. Nothing against Stanford or Creighton or anyone else that Nebraska's played. Ohio State, despite being five and four, is going to be the toughest test so far in the season for Nebraska volleyball tonight. They're certainly battle tested. Oh yeah, they're 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 battle tested. Nebraska's battle tested, and this is one of the things that when I talked with Coach Cook on Thursday is whether it's a Michigan State or an Ohio State. You look at two two teams that are in very different places on what their goals are for the rest of this year. Mm. You have to show up because it's the Big Ten, and that that's the absolute wild thing about the fact that USC and UCLA are going to be joining in a couple of years. Yeah. That the volleyball depth is going to get even more insane. Um, so we'll see what happens tonight. Hopefully, um, Ani Evans is, is has continued to play really, really well from earning that scholarship last year. 
Hopefully Kennedy Orr can continue to develop. Um, it, it, I do like when she gets in the front row, so that makes me kind of partial to when she's in there. I want it to be a 5-1, but I really like Ani playing the back row better, so then I want the 6-2. Caitlin Horde got a lot more involved last night. Maddie Kubik um, led the team with in kills, which is not an every match thing anymore because of Whitney Lonstein this year. Yeah, um, it it was concerning to see the number of times Michigan State was able to block Nebraska nine blocks mm-hmm. last night. So hopefully they can figure that out against a team that's likely going to try to dial up more of those blocks. Can you get Caitlin Horde more involved? That's what we've wanted all year. I, I compare the middle in volleyball to the tight end in football. You got to get it involved, and as much as you do get it involved, I want more. Mm-hmm. Like just more, more, more. Get it, get it to the tight end once every three plays. Get it to the middle once every three, four swings. Yeah. And if you do that, especially in a six-two, Nebraska has the pin hitters to compete with anyone in the country. Yeah, and with with dope. Really, really have any input. <laughs> we compare this stuff to football a little bit once in a while. And and one of the things that we just talked about with coaching is can you develop talent? Can you keep everybody on the same page? Mm-hmm. Uh we we just talked just talked about Wandale Robinson about how he was not happy with the the way he was uh being put positionally and, and ended up transferring out. Uh Lindsey Krause has talked a little bit about this recently, mm-hmm. about how, hey, look, she's willing to play wherever John Cook tells her to go. There's a difference between Scott Frost doing it where he hasn't been at a place for that long, and they've still been struggling, and they're not winning, and there's not a history of of sustained success, whereas at Nebraska Volleyball, there certainly is, and so you have that buy-in, yeah. and and John Cook is is the master of, of the mental side and, and getting players to buy in regardless of what they're asked to do because it is for the betterment of the team. That's another aspect of, of coaching that you just have to admire about Cook and the way he goes about his business because the things Lindsey Krause said about, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily where she wants to be playing or how she wants to be contributing or she wants to do more, obviously, but this is what's best for the team right now, so she's going to do it. Yeah, and that that's one of the things that comes with sustained success. And right now you're looking at a Nebraska program that it feels like is on a national title drought. That's where the program is, that you're talking about a drought from national titles. Um, so when you do get the players come in, there is a buy-in immediately that you know Coach Cook is looking out for the, the best for his players. And Jalen Reyes. And Kelly Hunter. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that they're looking out for what's best for this team. That's the same thing. You just had a freshman come in who was looking to compete for a middle blocker position, but another freshman, Becca Alec, went and just said, This is mine. And Maggie Mendelson, six foot five, as part of the six two, when with Batenhorst being out, mm-hmm. Mendelson says, Oh, I can do some of this outside hitter stuff. I'll give this a go if this is what's best for the team. Yeah. Mendelson is not an outside hitter at this level. So you're at times like you're just rolling out an extra middle blocker who can run the slide a little bit in the six two, and it looks really, really good. But Mendelssohn is not an outside hitter. But as a freshman, I think is she still seventeen? Seventeen or eighteen? Yeah. Because she reclassified up. She's gonna she's a two sport athlete coming in and says, I'll do whatever it help, it takes to help the team and I get on the floor. And so she's rotating in, in the six two as an outside. Like, that's just ridiculous that you can go and just, who can I have play where? Can Kenzie Knuckles sometimes play in the front row for a rotation? Yeah. The absolute buy-in across the board, I get it that it's otherworldly to compare this program to literally anything else, 
but you want to reach for that kind of buy-in from your players with the coach to where it's just that trust isn't even questioned. You just come in and go, yep, that's what's going to be best for the team, and if it doesn't work, I trust that coach is going to change things up to what will work. Yep. Yeah, that's it's it's impressive to see what he does. And, yeah, a, a title drought for, for volleyball is, yeah, you're going back to 2017, the year before Scott Frost was hired, and that's... Nebraska volleyball has won a national title more recently than Nebraska football has been to a bowl game. Right. 7 o'clock, first serve over on B1073, 630 pregame. John John Cook, obviously coaching. John Baylor on the call with Lauren Cook-West. All right. Archaeologists. Fire up! Yeah. Cardiologists passing out business cards. Here on KLIN later. That's uh, coming up. Uh, Coming up for us, some discussion about... The current iteration of Nebraska football, as well as Amy Just, columnist at the Lincoln Journal Star. It's all ahead here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Association at this station. Small business under siege. The beer is still flowing for now, but with the CO2 shortage, beer taps could soon go dry. Jacob Landry owns Urban South Brewery in New Orleans. They make about 2,700 gallons of beer a day, and one day without CO2 would put everything on hold. I'm in daily text communication with my supplier. We can't produce beer without CO2. It is a, a bit of a scary situation, kind of an unknown for us right now. The problem stems from one of the nation's largest gas production hubs in Mississippi, where many breweries get their CO2. There's some other hydrocarbon levels that are in the CO2 right now that have the potential to create off flavors that we don't want in our beer. But the shortage isn't affecting only the beer industry. John Racke with the publication Gas World says it's food processors as well. Chicken, food freezing, food chilling that use um, CO2 and dry ice is having a, a roll on effect. In New Orleans, Rebecca Castor, Fox News. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Congratulations to Albert Pujols, Caleb. There, no, there we go. No, no, not talking about home it. runs. It's pretty cool. Um, on Apple TV at 1030 at night on the West Coast. But hey, it <laughs> happened. All right. Uh, what else happened? Mickey Joseph is the head coach, and Bill Bush is the defensive coordinator. That's what happened Mm -hmm. in Lincoln, Nebraska. And so going forward, eight games left into the Big Ten season, and uh, perhaps the last game Nebraska will be a favorite in is coming up in a week. 
what does this team look like that that is is maybe a little bit different from the teams that we saw against their first four opponents? How can they change something substantively without you know turning over the roster in the middle of the season as they tried to do in the off season? Well, what can, what can they change? So Mickey said that Bill Bush, they're probably going to simplify their calls on defense. I would expect that we're going to see some shakeup on who's playing, especially in the secondary. Yeah. Um, most depth there. Yeah, because you've, yeah. you've got the most depth there that you haven't tried to rotate some guys through. And that secondary includes your safeties, your corners, and your nickel. So five different positions, and you've got a buttload of scholarship guys back there because yeah. that's the place that you tried to go to the transfer portal and dial up. Yeah. Um, maybe you try to to shift some stuff around on the front. There, there's just not as much depth up there. That's why you went to nothing against Colton Feast. Love it, Utan. Like stand up. But the reason he got a shot is because there was not as much depth. Yeah. He put in the work to get to the spot that he did. But sometimes there's just too much depth in front of you, and and that I think both of those things played and converged into a perfect storm for Colton to get on the field, earn a black shirt to start the year. Love it. But there just hasn't been enough depth at that position. So I think defensively you're going to see some different guys. Can they shuffle anything on the offensive line? Teddy Prohaska out for the year. Um, A.J. Allen out for the year. So you're going to have to probably see some more Gabe Irvin. I think the biggest thing going forward is you're going to see personnel difference. Um, Offensively, you're going to see them try to slow the ball down. Mickey talked about that, said he wished he would have made that decision against Oklahoma. Didn't think of it really until the third quarter. By then, obviously, the game's out of hand. And then defensively, simplify the calls, maybe try to dial up some more pressure and just hope guys tackle. I think uh, the mood I was getting from Mickey, especially being in the at the one press conference that he had this week, um, was that it was when he said it's Nebraska versus Nebraska. To me, I took that as like, all right, no one's a starter. Like no one's no one has a position anymore. Like everyone's competing, especially on that defensive end. Everyone is competing for their spot now. And typically you do that in training camp, but I think with the amount of changes that they've gone through, it makes sense. He's like, All right, you know, I don't care if you were a starter, these last four weeks they don't matter anymore. It's a fresh restart. You gotta earn your spot now. So I think, yeah, I think you're gonna see maybe you're gonna see some Omar Brown. Maybe you're gonna see some Brandon Moore. Maybe you maybe Javen Wright you know, comes in that nickel spot. I don't know. I think that something that I would like to see Mickey do is, uh, and, and Bill Bush with him, I would like to see Caleb Tanner let go a little bit. I, I'd like, I like, I feel like sometimes he's playing that, you know, he plays that linebacker edge type of spot where he's in coverage plenty because he can make those open field tackles and he's really athletic where he can cover, he can go and rush and he can go and cover. I don't that. want him to cover. I want him to just rush. I want him to rush. I want, <laughs> I want him to, to be let loose. So I think hopefully, uh, yeah, I, maybe that's something that they do. I think you're going to see a lot of different looks. I don't know if you're going to, you're definitely not going to see the same starters out on the field on defense that you saw in the first four weeks i can almost guarantee you that with just the mood and just how he's talking and how he's like we got to shake some stuff up i think that the only place you won't see a lot of shake up is that defensive line position just because not a whole lot of depth i don't really think they're they're already throwing a lot of different guys out there and a lot of different looks trying to figure that out i don't think you're going to see different dudes i do think scafan win though will end up being the starter um being the or at least being the linchpin of of that uh, defense or that defensive line, so I don't know. I'm I'm very interested. Uh, hopefully they they play a little bit more inside contained on on the defensive end and or you know don't 
don't let them don't let the other team get all those slants like like they were getting killed about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the the interior D line, I, I agree. I think naturally you're going to get it better because Win and Drew are getting more snaps in the yeah. scheme, and and Bill Bush may have something different for them to do. But those guys are, are just naturally as they play more, they're going to be more involved. Nash Hutmacher uh, has has been involved as well uh, on the edge. Yeah, I, I don't think. Honestly, I think Caleb Tanner is playing more of a linebacker role as he opposed is. to a defensive end role now anyway. Nelson and Mathis are bigger guys, and so they're more, they're more on the edge um, right there. And, and Tanner, you can move around a little bit more and, and have him... I, I just want. I, I just want. I, I, you know what? I kind of liked what I saw from Ernest Hausman. I wouldn't mind if they put him on that outside linebacker spot and tried to fill in more with Tanner and just let him go to the quarterback. Just let him go at him. I, th- I mean, they're getting almost no pr- no consistent pressure at least uh, from this defensive line, especially on the interior. That's not where Caleb, you know, works. But other than Garrett Nelson. There's not a whole lot of pressure coming to the quarterback, especially from the edge spot, which I think people assumed would happen. Yeah, defensively, I, I want to see a couple more guys at corner uh, give Malcolm Hartzog, Jaden Gould, Taman Lynham some chances. Uh, Newsom's been fine for the most part. Tommy Hill's really struggled. Um, and then, yeah, safety-wise, uh, maybe maybe you get a little bit of Noah Pola-Gates action. Deshaun Singleton, Omar Brown, maybe they get a little more chance. Offensively, I don't know if they're going to change anything more on the on the line. You have Corcoran, who slid out to tackle mm-hmm. again. Uh, Kevin Williams played more. Lutovsky's getting more time. Uh, Ethan Piper has experience as a starter. Hunter Anthony from Oklahoma State, you might see him play a little bit as well, uh, potentially out at right tackle instead of Bryce Benhart. Um, I want to just give, you said it earlier, tight end, give me Thomas Fedoni. <laughs> I want my Fedoni, man. Yeah. I hope he's healthy enough to start playing. Have we later. got an update on that? He's, the, he's, it's still just week to week. Yeah, gotcha. in the recovery. Eventually, he may he may finally get out there. I uh, want Jalen Weaver at defensive at defensive tackle <laughs> at nose tackle six eight three forty five. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got the size. I don't know that he necessarily knows what he's doing out there. Is what is? I mean, does why, it look like anyone else has? Why wouldn't he be playing? <laughs> that's so, a great that's, point, Mister you know, Henry. I, yeah, I I don't disagree. I'm just saying. By the way, Nebraska has to over these last eight get two wins. Has to. Never in program history has there been double-digit losses in a season. By the way, didn't put Mickey Joseph on my head coaching tier list. I, I, that was a mistake on my part. He's in there. No, I no, like no, him. no, no, no. I, I think we all assume. No, he's no, no. Got I, a shot. Yeah, no, he's we, got a shot. He's got a shot. Here's the thing. He's only done it for one game. Right. Yeah, we got to keep going. There's a lot of season left. Absolutely, Dabo Sweeney. I wide, like wide receivers coach to interim head coach to national champion. There's a path. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And there is a path to uh, the next break uh, right now. We're going to get to Amy Jess from the Lincoln Journal Star right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Rolling along here on our Saturday morning. It's a Nebraska-free Saturday morning. They're back in action in a week, but that doesn't mean that we are not talking about it. Of course, we've talked plenty about the 2022 version of Nebraska football, as well as the coaching search and, and somebody who's wrapped up in all of that back in Nebraska here this season. Uh, she's made a few stops elsewhere, but uh, now columnist for the Lincoln Journal star, Amy, just joining the program for the first time. Amy, thanks a lot for joining us. How are you? 
Yeah, yeah. Apologies for last week. Um, That's all right. <laughs> Amy, have you started paying rent for the amount of time you're spending at Memorial Stadium already in the last <laughs> couple of weeks? <laughs> no, thankfully. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been a lot of time up there. And it doesn't help that I'm a perfectionist. So, like, I'm usually the last one to leave because I'm fighting in my brain with the words that I want to use. So I'm partially doing it to myself. So, yeah, it's not entirely the University of Nebraska's fault. It is also partially (laughs) my fault as well. These are are difficult times for, for everybody as they're trying to work through what in the heck is going on at Memorial Stadium. And, and I want to start with the 2022 Huskers. Uh, we, we talked a little bit in our last segment about what we might see next week with Mickey Joseph and Bill Bush running things uh, as head coach and defensive coordinator in their new roles. W- Scheme-wise, personnel-wise, uh, attitude-wise, what are you looking for different when Nebraska takes the field against Indiana? Yeah, I don't know how much scheme-wise we'll be able to change just because it's not a whole lot of time to reinstall you know, something brand new. Um, but I, I just want to see on defense specifically just more caring about the run defense and like being in the right spots and just getting the basic things right. And, you know, wrapping up tackles and, you know, I guess a scheme thing that I will be paying attention to is the safeties. In some situations, they've been asked to do way too much. And I think Bill Bush can help fix that problem. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of things to fix. So let's just start small and work from there, I guess, is the mentality that I have well, in watching this moving forward. Well, Amy, and one of the small things, Mickey's talked about it, we heard Miles Farmer talk about it in the last postgame, is just the, gen- the the tackling. How how much can a program really work on slash fix the, I guess at the end of the day, the number one thing you need to do on defense, tackling? Mm-hmm. How much can, can they get that right ahead of Indiana? I don't know if you can get it right, but you can get it better. Mm-hmm. You can get it better. You can make strides. When the bar is on the floor, <laughs> it's really easy to clear it, right? And so, I mean, Miles Farmer said it, you know, they've been tagging off for the last four years. So when you stop doing that and you work on tackling, you hope it can get better from there because how can it get worse? <sighs> how can it get worse? Well, how many times yeah. have we said that the last couple of years? Don't, hey, we gotta... I went to Kansas when they were bad. So this is nowhere close, okay? Yeah. Um, to give you all some hope. Hey, when things got bad, though, when things got bad, though, Amy, you just went over to Fog Allen and everything felt right. I mean, they still lost the like, games you're supposed to win. Okay? <laughs> but I mean, like, they won eight games in my entire college career. Eight. Yeah. Not No road games. Rarely any conference games. My senior game was the time they beat K- Texas in Memorial Stadium, Kansas's Memorial Stadium, mm-hmm. um, and basically got you know Charlie Strong fired. So that was like the only like fun win <laughs> of my well, entire college career. Well, I only have I only have six wins, Amy, in my college career. So where did you go? I go here. I go here now. 
<laughs> I'm I'm experiencing. I still got a year left, but I'm I, I'm rivaling you. I don't know. I'm at I'm at six. So I don't know if I'll get to eight, but well, uh, talk to me when your school goes zero and twelve. That's a good point. So, that's that's fair. No, don't don't put that out there, Amy. You do not put that out there. <laughs> it was the worst time of my life. They were so bad. But yeah, if you ever want to feel better about any of these Nebraska teams over the last couple of years, go back and look at 2015 Kansas and be like, oh, that's horrible. We're pretty good here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that just feels so terrible making that the comparison and it not being their Orange Bowl year. Um, so, Amy, the rest of this season, eight games to go, Nebraska football has never had a double-digit losing season. So they need to win at least two. What are you looking at as the most likely two games that Nebraska can get out of these last eight? These next two feel more likely. And, I mean, I have zero idea what to make of Iowa right now. (laughs) So maybe, I mean, they can't score points and Nebraska can't stop offenses. So that's going to be super fun on Black Friday. Something has to win there. Something I don't know what. But it's something. the res- it's the resistible force meeting the movable object. Yes, the opposite Basically. of yes, the opposite of Nebraska Oklahoma. So, Amy, you don't have to give us your short list, but let's talk coaching search a little bit. What what have you thought so far of the speculation, and how do you see Trev Alberts handling the situation? I think he's going to think way too much about it, which is a good thing, right? Um, yeah. When you are put in this you know, not great position of firing your coach super early in the season. You have a long time to do the research and be thorough about things in the manner in which you want to be thorough about them. And Trev is a very thorough person. Um, And I asked him about this. Uh, We had a round table uh, with, selected media people earlier this week to talk about border region stuff. And naturally, of course, coaching search things came up and it's like, do you like being in this situation? You know, like obviously you don't want to fire your coach this early into the season. And he's like, well, I mean, just listen to the last hour. Like I want time to think about things. And I think that's important. He's going to be very diligent with this. Um, they are um, teaming up with a search firm. Um, to kind of help coordinate some of those things. Um, but yeah, I, it's, it's going to be a long rest of the season <laughs> as far as coaching search things are concerned. Um, but I do think that they're in a much better position now than they would have been if they would have fired Scott Frost last year, mm. just in terms of the jobs that are open or probably will be open. Um, so I think that'll help them. You're not competing with USC, Notre Dame, LSU, Oklahoma for coaches. Mm-hmm. You're going to competing with like Arizona State and Auburn and probably Colorado and probably Georgia Tech. Like that's a much better spot to be in. Switching gears with Lincoln Drill Stars, Amy Just here on the KLI and Husker Hour. You were at the Bob Devaney Sports Center last night to see a beautiful belt buckle commemorative belt buckle for John Cook's 800th win. Um, just how, how did you see the match last night? And then obviously a big one coming up tonight with a uh, top 10 Ohio state. Yeah. Look like, was it the prettiest match that Nebraska could have put together? No, but they still won and they still swept. 
And, you know, obviously, like, it's the first match of conference play, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, a lot of things to work on. Um, you know, service errors are still a problem, um, but there were fewer um, last night um, as there had been recently. So you just, you got to work on setting, you know, mm-hmm. with Nicklin Hames out, that hurts them. Um, you know, they need to be more consistent there. Um, and when you're not consistent, that affects how you run to your middle blockers. Um, and Nebraska has some really talented middle blockers. So, yeah, that's that's what I'll be paying attention to is just can they get their setting where it needs to be without Nicklin? No idea when she will be back. Um, she took herself out of the Stanford match last week and hasn't played since. Um, and so they've been using Ani Evans and Kennedy Orr with Orr starting um, in that setter spot with her 6-2. So, yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of work to do, but I'm still confident that they'll figure it out and they'll make a deep run later. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they um, work on things moving forward, especially when you don't have much time in between last night and tonight to make some of those corrective changes. That's part-time Memorial Stadium resident Amy Jess, columnist for the Lincoln <laughs> Journal Star, joining us here on the K-Line Husker Hour. Amy, thanks a lot for the time. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Yeah, it's not much of a bye week for me. Big story coming this afternoon, tomorrow. Look forward to that. Yeah, we will definitely do that. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, Amy Jess, there she goes. Uh, and before we go, I also wanted to mention Sam Hybe, uh tough break for Nebraska men's uh, women's basketball. Sam Hybe out for the season. Uh, she... She's not going to be able to to contribute this year, and she was she was really clutch in in yeah. a lot of late game situations. Do we last year. do we know the injury yet? Is there? I think been they official? said. I think they said leg injury. Leg. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's so. Hopefully, Allison Widener can step up a little bit more. You did get another transfer um, coming in, so you and you you added a really good scorer out of Minnesota, so your guard should be fine. Hopefully, you can see people take another step. Um, really quickly on the board of regents that that Amy mentioned yeah. there, uh, a valued at over three hundred million dollar um, multimedia rights deal. Uh, it was signed just looking for approval from the Board of Regents this next week. You've got more than $18 million guaranteed a year, probably going to be in that range of $20 million. Also, seeking approval, alcohol sales, Pinnacle Bank Arena for men's and women's basketball this fall. They will look at the other arenas and stadiums as time goes on, but initially here just for basketball. And the big memorial, uh, well, they're having a meeting to plan the plan for, for memorial, Yeah, that's right? just mostly that's just changing the way the plans get done. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, and then streamlining, uh, streamlining. Love that yeah. word. We're we're back next Saturday, two weeks in a row. We're gonna have a show, uh, and then we'll have a reaction show after that, right after Rutgers on Friday. So is Husker Hour back? Oh, ho, ho. <laughs> all right, that's it. Go <laughs> big red. <laughs>